solo voy con mi pena, sola va mi condena. Correré mi destino para burlar la ley, perdido en el corazón de la grande Babilón. Me dicen el clandestino. Hello and welcome to another episode of The World Isn't Flat. I'm Jovan Johnson. The full team. Shadok Wani. David Yamran. We're going to be talking about populism and development. Shall I take it away? So, uh, one of the most interesting things happening right now in the world is the rise of what we say, quote-unquote, populist movements. Mm. We have seen Brexit. We are seeing. We saw Trump. We have very recently we saw the Italian elections, which saw, uh, again uh, saw the rise of insurgence of the uh, Five Star Movement and everyone. Uh, in fact, in Britain, there and this is often in these countries leading to a backlash against international aid. Uh, because as these regimes increasingly look inward, uh, international aid is something that's easily uh, is easier to cut, is easier to deflect attention to. And what does this really mean for international development uh, managers and people who want to work in the sector or the sector as a large? Uh, in Britain, for instance, uh, a few weeks ago, one of the parliamentarians who is poised to become the next conservative leader was that Mog. Yes, Mog, uh, <laughs> impeccably dressed, uh, very well smoke, spoken. Uh, went Inbred. to uh, sort of weird face. Uh, let's not go a weird there. face. Yeah. Let's not go there. I will. I will lose that weird face war. Uh, he went to the Ten Downing Street and delivered a petition from Express the uh, Readers, which is a right wing newspaper, uh, that we want to cut aid. Uh, Nigel Farage has said this. Uh, in the U.S., Trump has increasingly uh, linked aid with overt national interests, so uh, sort of quid pro quo. Uh, it has cut aid to agencies which help Palestinians because uh, and uh, because of the Jerusalem move and everything, mm-hmm. uh, increasing pro-Israel uh, stances there. And in Europe, if Italy and uh, other major European, Italy is the first one, but other major European countries in the EU become increasingly far right and inward looking, uh, they will of course, uh, you expect them to also not be very optimistic about international aid. And what do we do with that? So, why, why, why don't you expect them to be very optimistic about international aid? So, well, the general trend is because populist movements, at least the ones we're seeing right now, are very inward-looking. So, usually, what do you call those movements? What do you mean? What do you call those particular populist populist? I don't movements? know. So this them, I suppose, the one that you're referring to is, in general, sort of the right. Yes, the right wing. Right. Yeah. yeah which is which is usually characterized by this big feature that is. They're usually trying to find a scapegoat that is external to sort of justify this inward-looking Like behavior immigration. By right. using immigration. Refugees, assuming. Or, in so particular, using the word illegal immigration and saying that they should kick out, actually, a lot of people out of the country. But usually it also goes with the fact, not only are we going to kick people out of the country, but we're going to also stop any kind of subsidies that we can provide to this country, that they are sending, actually, people to, their, yes. to our shore. Yeah, it's based on, uh, this is a, basically the populist rhetoric has a very different way of looking at the world. Uh, traditionally, conservatives, liberals, whoever are in power in these countries, there is a certain degree of uh, of a liberal global outlook most of these countries have. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the Conservative Party in the UK has a liberal global outlook generally. And despite everything, they have backed 0.7% commitment to international aid. And conservatives have defended that. Yes. Um, but the, the front, Cameron and May governments. But the front benches, back benches, yep. there is opposition because the mobs, lo- the mobs of the world, uh, they have an opposition that they do not see this to be a productive use of their money. Uh, and this is, by the way, also extremely over 
uh, inflated essentially mm -hmm. in public discourse. Uh, Americans uh, read the survey that they about about twenty times overestimate. Uh, the amount of foreign money goes mm -hmm. between eight to ten or twelve percent of the budget, or something. Yeah, like. less than one percent. In fact, it's less than one percent. But there's an easy way to get around that in some ways. In some ways, right? Because you will, depending on how those who are supporting aid can frame the argument. So, for example, if you frame and say, "Look, the aid that we're support that we're providing to these countries could help with domestic security." Yes, and so on. And you, you could use the you could use all of this to support to that, support an argument, but it doesn't always it, or it doesn't seem to be necessarily working now. At least the people who are who could be voicing these things are not being heard among I, the, yeah. among, among, among the pack. I think that's a danger in the United States actually, because mm -hmm. that's that's been sort of the democratic talking point against <laughs> against Republican yeah, wishes yeah, to cut aid. Yeah, yeah. There's a similar dynamic to the UK, where sort of front bench, if you want to call them that, Republicans support. Um, foreign aid, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. Lindsey Graham, etc. And then d Democrats defending sort of backbench Republicans and and Donald Trump, whatever, yes. who want to cut aid by saying it's in the national interest, right? USA is supporting U.S. interests abroad. It's opening U.S. markets, things yeah, like that. Yeah. And that's not, I think, in my opinion, the purpose of aid. And it's, but it has been what. Um, it, the ground has shifted so much that that's where we have to defend right. the concept of foreign aid. And so, and so now Lindsey Graham and people like him want to shift aid entirely to focus of national interest. Mm -hmm. You know, subsuming USAID into the U.S. State Department has been sort of a bipartisan, behind-the-scenes mm -hmm. policy goal for the past few years. The Clinton government would have done it. Trump would do it if he was smart, smart enough to figure out how. Yeah. <laughs> um, because the rhetoric, the rhetoric, the usual rhetoric of helping is not working. It's not, going to, it's, not, it's not strong enough. It's not a strong enough rhetoric, at least, to combat that coming from the rhetoric. But, but it's, it's exactly also what we were talking about the other day when we were saying that, actually, once those ideas are in the debate, it's not possible to get them out of the agenda. No. And yeah. so when we were talking about this kind of stuff, saying, okay, we are spending too much on foreign aid, mm -hmm. then it's not no longer possible to shift it to another topic. It's very difficult. If you are solely on the logical level, you would like just <laughs> compare it with yeah. the like spending with the amount of money that actually the US is spending on defense, for example. Yeah. And you would yeah. see that it's not even one percent of it. You would say, but that, that's insane. Even though, for example, even though we use this entire amount of mm -hmm. foreign aid on the defense, the marginal input that would that it would add is literally insignificant. So there is no uh, use. Adrian, you're talking academic talk. I agree with you. <laughs> but this is this is smart people talk. People don't understand this. What is that? The public discourse can, can, cannot be this nuanced. This is why I, I like this. I disagree. Point. I think a strong moral case for aid is completely possible today. I thought you were for, for the late, yeah, for the logical but, argument. But the, 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 this, this and it has been made. Uh, yeah, the by Jeremy yeah, Corbyn. Yeah, but integrating that into the security argument, which I also wrote in the article would be a very important way to further uh, solidify this position mm -hmm. uh, as this country's position as donor countries or massive donor countries because this is a very strong link you can make in literature it's available how, how can you uh, that, that was the question I was going to ask actually how can you link it to the security argument insofar for example is it better to have countries that are threatening to completely cut and just like stop giving mm -hmm. any foreign aid or is it better to have countries like the US with Trump that are actually saying, we're going to keep doing that, providing you meet certain requirements and providing you foster our economic interest abroad? Because actually, when you are doing that, when you're trying yeah, to foster point, yeah. your economic interest yeah. abroad, you are also threatening your own sec national security because yeah. people are going to resent you in the mm -hmm. end. Mm -hmm. So basically, foreign aid in that perspective is not. No, when I mean peaceful. security, I particularly mean, for instance, climate That's, change as an issue of climate change as an issue of uh, national security. Uh, how that leads to or that empowers terrorists and other mm -hmm. separatist movements. Uh, that has, Studies have shown that. Plus, if you look at uh, the refugee crisis, uh, a lot of these refugees, apart from the ones in Syria, 
uh, these countries are virtually collapsing and investing money there is good for your security because this yes. refugees won't come here. Yeah. So let's play. So there are ways, to, there are ways the, to frame, there are ways to frame yeah. it. But the, the concept of security frame, I think, is a dangerous state of mind to be in. Because I agree that, with you, but that's what I thought you said. Because then you get you get things like USAID funneling money to jihadist groups in Syria, which has been accused of in the past mm-hmm. few years, or in Afghanistan, or in well, Afghanistan, absolutely, yeah. um, which is which is what the Lindsey Grahams of the world want aid to be—a project for basically U.S. sort of under the table imperialism. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think similar arguments have been made about DFID in the UK. Yeah, and it's a similar thing. I was talking to you said regarding uh, what's his name, uh, Mr. Mortensen. Is it Greg? Is it Greg Mortensen and the and the use of the, his school thing in Pakistan, in northern Pakistan? And how the oh, military, yeah. how that became, how the U.S. military took on that, and then it was found out that, okay, all of this this grand story was a was a farce. So, so, you, you know that you know that the but, three cups of tea. Yeah, you know are we on the same page? What three yeah, cups of tea? Yeah. Is that the book? Yeah, that's the name of the book by Martin. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah so guy this was... guy published this book just to give some context, and it became a bestseller in the U.S. And it was about that him him climbing this mountain, K2, K2 mountain in northern <laughs> Pakistan, falling and being rescued by people in this remote village. And a girl coming to him and after uh, help, helping him heal back and saying, okay, you have to build a school here. Him going to back to America, raising money, building a school. Eventually arguing that he has had built about 200 schools in Pakistan and Afghanistan. That sounds nice. He didn't. He um, didn't. He just raised, <laughs> he all, didn't. He raised $65 million. His book became a must-read in U.S. training, oh in U.S. military yes. training. Yes. And, and, and all those the things. As a way in which, so the, yeah. how it connected here was the way in which they were trying to, you could, you, could, you could make the argument of using aid to build that security narrative of why we need to do this, why we need to provide these kinds of support. To, to northern Pakistan and and and, and Taliban, whomever whomever is up there to combat that because the argument was the madrasas were supporting, yeah yeah that's what he was um, arguing supporting the, the, the thing though like so. just on a theoretical level it's just impossible to argue this kind of thing because mm. once when you're engaging in foreign aid services basically you are giving money and what you expect in our society is actually get back yeah, this money yeah, yeah. in the private sector or in the public sector to have like specific contracts specific advantages mm-hmm. and so on mm-hmm. so the sort of security advantage or the security thing that you get back from yeah. your investment is not sufficient because it's not <laughs> on the same currency sort of so you do not invest mm-hmm. to get security because you can't quantify the amount of security you invest and you necessarily try to put forward yeah. certain of your interest which in the end backlash at you and it's not possible. You just see, for example, like in France, we are giving a lot of aids to, like in in certain African countries and so on. Which yes. once colonized, Franco- which which Franco- once colonized, Africa. yeah. And we are also like trying to to set forth our own economic interest. But also, even private companies are actually, for example, when we saw ISIS and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Now, at that point, there is a famous French oil company that is being under investigation because throughout the entire Syrian civil war, they literally <laughs> uh, bribed. Uh, ISIS because they were still exploiting oil resources in this in this in part this which was like the ISIS territory and the only way to arrive there was like to, to go packed. yeah to go through like five checkpoints in which you had to pay like different bribes and they were actually hiring uh, ISIS employees to to extract the oil so basically all the money that was in ISIS was actually coming from Hirap at some point whether from so the private sector or from the, so there is a kind of example of bad development soulless capitalism but let's yeah, let, no, let, 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 let see if we could look because the, the rise of the populist rhetoric and especially the right-wing rhetoric which threatens the, um, the aid support to the world and, 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 and so on one of the things we need to look at I suppose is could there be justification for the concerns that people have even though it's been exploited by these politicians mm. and, I, and, I, and, I, and I would approach that from looking at the, the, the fallout maybe Danny Roger could support me here 
globalization, for example, and how people feel as like if they're not a part of the, they're not a part of gains. They're left behind. They're left behind. Isn't there a, a, a real case to be made there? And perhaps the the more what would we call the more the, the, the politicians who perhaps are going off on a more common sense notion. Isn't it? Isn't it what uh, David you were arguing about uh, the other time, saying that maybe populism is the the sort of the evidence that social democracy has failed? Yes. Saying that maybe it was sort of an outburst of <coughs> like maybe. But those countries that have been practicing social democracy are is there a significant surge now in populism, in right-wing populism, for example? Where? We're talking about Western Europe and the United States, right? So, the, so but I would the, say yes. So the main donor countries, <laughs> really? and I agree with you on this point, that development sectors, generally people who are in the sort of liberal, sort of, uh, sort of the elite, need to do a better job in helping and addressing the problems they face in the grassroots because these movements won't go away until you have that sort of a, a shift in addressing these problems. It is a strong argument when you hear people say, you have done to their governments. You have done nothing for me. Why are you sending money abroad? Mm-hmm. Charity begins at home. But, but is not an argument so easy to be made, though? I think the people. It's a, it's a blunt argument, yeah, and I think it makes sense to people whose governments haven't helped them. So in what Western does it, So what does this? State. So what does this mean for someone, a non-profit? Now, there's a, we have a, they have a specific degree of influence. They can't really push the entire elite to face all of these problems because these are much more structurally large problems. Yes. How do we mitigate uh, these problems? But that's exactly for me. This is, once again, the difference between the emotional and the logical speech. Like you were saying, okay, no, it's too much of an economical argument. But actually, I think it's really important. You are saying, okay, some people are feeling left behind. And they, I do agree with you, David, they're saying, okay, so why are you sending money abroad whereas you're not even capable of taking care of your own people? But actually, what you should show is the amount of money that is sent abroad is actually minimal. And if yeah. you were to put that into pension, into defense, into healthcare, and so on, it would add very little, and the yeah. rate of return would be literally insignificant. But so it's not something... So, okay, you understand that it's sort of an easy emotional shortcut to say, okay, we're going to put that on external people that we do not know, like the unknown. So at least we have a skateboard to refer to. The other. Yeah, but actually it's not grounded. It's not based on anything real. It's just emotionally, it's just easy. But we can't. But the thing is, we can't afford to dismiss the emotions totally. No, it, 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 the emotions are exploited. Which is which yes. is what brought which is what brings us here today. And that's why you need, I think, to make the case for aid in the context of a larger program mm-hmm. of social assistance and and backing the welfare state again. So, Leverage two point Did you go to those? This needs to be wait, part of a broader program. We're talking about like that a moral countries. goal for for Western governments, right? Mm-hmm. I think. Well, backing not to keep saying the word Corbyn, but he's made this case very strongly. Mm-hmm. What, what do you mean, backing the welfare state again? He, we're talking he, about foreign aid, so basically it's sending money abroad. Not he's say, yes, he's saying, saying that you, uh, uh, correct me if I'm mm. wrong, to establish, establish much more of a stronger welfare state in donor countries? I, I think it's part of a broader program. It, you have to address both sides of that concern. Yeah. Why are you sending mm-hmm. money abroad and not helping me? You have to... You have to deal with both sides of that concern and it's, it's pretty you have to make a moral case for both i think we spoke about like for example if you go to some parts of england or even some parts of the u.s rust belt state is it and so sure, on, yeah. where people see that factories and and these other kinds of industry are no longer present when people see that when people see that when people hear trump talk about we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna impose tariffs we're gonna impose we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna impose all kinds of things on companies Open up the coal mines. And all those kinds of things because people are people are waking up every day and seeing and a different yes you can talk about trade and global trade and this is what happens when you know when uh, the fluctuations of whatever and so on but 
they're waking up and they're not seeing the factory. They're not seeing yeah. their jobs. And when they're, they're not seeing where their children who have to pay students' loans mm -hmm. and all these kinds of things, they're not seeing how those are going to be alleviated such that they can have a prosperous or the good life or, or some extent. And you're right. We have to find a way to respond to those issues. I, it's I, emotional, yeah. obviously, but we can't totally dismiss that. I would go further, and I would say the only possible future for aid is in the context of a strong welfare state at home, because I don't think you can make an argument for foreign aid when you're neglecting your own people. Yeah, I did. totally on because because I mean these are the people whose tax whose tax yeah. dollars are going are going are going towards. I, I think it doesn't have to be so far as a welfare state, yeah. but that, that yeah, we're not that far as a welfare state yeah. either. You just need a state which works for the people at home. That's a welfare. What do you? No, it doesn't have to be. A welfare. Yes. It could it's be. your ideological underpinning. That's what. Isn't that it? Isn't that what David happens to? <laughs> from the L spell it out for me. What parts of the welfare state don't you need? Is no, it healthcare? Is it social security? No, no it's just welfare state in general. Like you were saying, maybe uh, populism is the result of failed social democracy. The the worst case scenario could be that a failed in welfare state could result in an outburst of fascism too. Because like, okay, you're taking care of your own people, but you're also expanding governments and also expanding government's failure at the same time and expanding the government reach. And so if it doesn't manage to reach his goals, in the end, you're going to see a, a, like a burst of fascism that what we saw, for example, after the, the First World War. There were like welfare state coming up, like implementing throughout Europe. And as it's failed a, to me, this is a historical but what is, what is fascism arose in the context of a declining but welfare state, what is and the, that's what we're seeing again. No, but like, okay, but okay, you want to implement welfare what, state, what, but like welfare state, your sort of ideal objective would be that it was going to take care of its own people. The fact is, we're also in an economic situation, in an economic context and conjecture that does not allow that in particular. So, Why like, putting, do you say that? Because like the state does, does not have necessarily the finance to to take care of the healthcare, to take care of the university. I know, and so, I, I, well. I think I think this is a conservative trope. This is a conservative trope. Yeah, we, we're not. We're not. We're, we're you're talking propaganda, here. right? No, we're not. No, we're not. No one is political. We, you are talking political no. now. No, but but it, I would I would side this with David. Politics. Yeah, I would I would side with David. That it, what you're saying is is, is is exactly what you said. There's no money because rich people are hiding it. Yeah, sure. And what, <laughs> this what, is, and what, what this is a fundamental truth that I think a lot of people aren't aren't willing to openly acknowledge. No, I, I, I think this is becoming a bit more ideologically driven here. But yeah, uh, just a bit. the idea that I agree with that the welfare state could be a very good option here, but it depends on the country and the culture and the context of that specific mm -hmm. country. Some countries sure. just can't have welfare state. Uh, it's just not in the, in the developed world, industrial world. They have the diversity or the values which are not in line with. Uh, welfare Look at the state. U.S. and healthcare. Yes, so it just means <laughs> making sure it's impossible to have a welfare state. <laughs> it, it, I would it, disagree with you. It's just making sure that the state is working for majority of the people. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Let's leave it at that. Right. Okay. And if it requires is, to be is, a welfare is that, state, is that what you were referring to when you were saying welfare state? No, he was referring to a proper welfare state yeah. like Sweden. Right. Yeah. Social. Uh, well, social democracy. I mean, the welfare, the concept of the welfare state, I think, is is present to varying degrees yeah, in every true. country of the world, right? Mm -hmm. Including the one we're sitting in. But right the UK now. is right. Yeah. Right? I went to an and NHS how, hospital how? last week. It was great. Uh, no, I don't like the NHS. I waited for uh, two minutes for American listeners at home. Really? Yeah. This is like hours and hours. Mm, that's propaganda. Uh, it's, it's a real issue, actually. It's a real issue. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. A, I wouldn't say propaganda. It's a real so issue. What, so what, what would you like to have more if we are already sitting in a welfare state? What do you think this would change? Because you, you're saying, okay, so we should, like, He's saying it's a welfare we should enough. welfare state. I, I think leaving it at Shah's definition of a state that works well for the people will keep us on track of what we're supposed yeah, to be so, talking about. So, but it's a bit blurry, isn't it? 
Like working for the people, yeah, but they are working for the people. That, or at least that's what they are pretending no, to do. No, that that means that the majority of the people are benefiting from the gains in the economy. That means your incomes are rising. That means your life is improving. That's it. That you are optimistic about your improvement. Yeah, sure. But so are we talking about inequality, though? Inequality is part of the equation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that, but no society can function with. Uh, exactly. With that's inequality. why you can't do it with a welfare state because it's been long argued and proven that you can't. Like fix this kind of problem at the national level. For yeah, example, you separate... want no, but you want to reduce inequality in France. You want to reduce like the fact that rich people are hiding money. Then you should do that at least at the European level. Mm. Well, I agree with that. I think that's so. Perfect welfare state possible. is not yeah. possible in that case because you also need to let go some kind of like sovereignty. Some so kind maybe of a welfare like state is a necessary but not sufficient condition for these issues. Far from sufficient con- yeah. okay, condition. So we're have I think we're getting a little off. We're going to have a separate podcast on the merits of a welfare state. And I can be Hayek that day, and we can have the entire thing. You would love to be Hayek, wouldn't you? So what would be your pitch to Trump, and again, his populist rhetoric, especially targeting AIDS? Well, my pitch, my, my, my pitch, I wouldn't talk to Trump, because I don't think he would be able to listen. So who do you talk to? I think the, in the US context, Congress has put a very good defense in favor of aid, but it has been largely, but they have still restructured the way aid goes. For instance, they have stopped giving aid to... Uh, abort anything to do with abortion or uh, that kind of stuff, uh, sexual health or sexual reproduction in a lot of countries in Africa, uh, and a lot of people are going to be suffering because of that. Uh, but for development sector, it is there is a need to have better communications, better strategy, and more, uh, and and better and also functioning in a better manner because and we saw with Oxfam, these kind of scandals cannot happen in an age of populism. If this happens, this is going to be very bad for. Maybe yeah, I'm crazy. It seems so managers and really bad for us to rape want. people and like take advantage of people when you're working it, it, in a developing country. You, you would think, How right? You, you would think it's not easy to rape people, but uh, they, they were also like a woman working managed. for I don't remember the NGO, but like in Palestine, where they were actually giving food, and no one was coming to to get the food anymore because actually they were sort of. Yeah, they were, apparently the the people who were giving the food were actually requiring the woman to have sex with them before giving the food. Aid for food, yeah. Yeah, oh, and yeah. so basically, even like the people in the Palestinian community were shaming the women that were getting the food, yes, though yes, the, yes, it was I necessary because they knew that all the women that went there to get the food were, must have done. Uh, yeah, this. most of them had sex with the mm-hmm. with the aid workers. Because there's a power dynamic to this yeah. these, these scenarios, and this is very important for the development. Because look, Oxfam has done amazing work, and I've seen the work they've done in Pakistan and Afghanistan. They they do brilliant work. The problem is that. For populist rhetoric, it's very useful to have these cases in which these scandals sort of give them this ammunition to go around and say, okay, every aid is bad, because this is what they do. They generalize and they misdirect angle. anger. And that, because that, that is happening. Oxfam has dramatically re- has, re- has re- uh, received less donations than it did a few months ago. It is now in real trouble. And that's the problem which we are facing today, that yes. you cannot... Development sector needs to look inside and also make projects better, make them bottom up, and all of this has to be done. It has been too, uh, it was too reluctant to adopt innovation or more transparency or accountability to the people itself. It has to do that. Uh, Oxfam actually has been a leader in a lot of that. Yes. It's really a shame that. I don't know why they didn't. Has, isn't it confusing to talk about Oxfam and link it to populism and foreign aid? Because actually, Oxfam is quite a political. Yeah, no, but Populism it's... Populism are never going to use but Oxfam's also, mistakes as an no. example to cut foreign aid. No, they have. Oxfam has been, has been getting political. 
at Davos every year they release inequality statistics. They tweet at yeah. billionaires. Wealth. Who yeah, but like talking about inequality statistics and doesn't mean that you're standing seeing... with the right, with the left, with the far right, with the far left, with the. No, it is. It is a political. I think it's a political statement. But to go I, don't, to Davos. I, I don't think NGOs should be apolitical. It's not their role in the world to stand aside from politics. It's their role to address structural inequalities. But in that means that means if they're, not, if they're on the side of the politics which loses the election, they won't get enough money. Well, that is a problem if we're talking about how close NGOs have gotten to Western governments. But, it's but that, not that's where the money is. The Western governments have to pay Oxfam and all of this have to fund, if it has to fund these projects, which helps people. And the problem is that if this kind of... Now, Oxfam, I believe, received, had, must have received some money from DFID at one point. They yeah. Oxfam receives a lot they of do. money from yeah. DFID. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, if he continue to receive this money, the taxpayer will say, and then more guys are going to go, and Nigel Farage is going to say, and they are saying this. And the Daily Mail. And the Daily Mail is going to say this, and the Express is going to say this. Why are you giving our taxpayer money to people to go and rape people in Haiti? Yeah. I know it's very reductionist, because they do amazing work, but this is what is the news. This is how information works. That, that scandal did so... It's just like soul wrenching to hear that from an organization like Oxfam, which is leading in the development sector and things like adaptive management of projects and innovation and design and bottom up programming. It's and it's precisely what Shaw says because when you have when you have the, the when you have generalizations about aid and the questions being raised about aid and you're, you're saying that people are or money is our money look what look what our money is going to do and and, and rather than the assumed work it is supposed to do then you give the critics and the doubters and all these the, the, these people the kind of ammunition to hammer the sector and say look don't focus on them don't give don't focus on them and, and, and that sort of a thing, but you can't, you can't afford that to happen. I don't think charities and, for example, and NGOs can totally avoid some sort of issues. Part of, it, part of it is how it's dealt with, because while it was appalling what the, um, the representatives of Oxfam did in Haiti, yes. a big part of the problem and a huge disappointment was how it was handled after that. Yes, because yes. The, guy, the guy was allowed, the guy, one of the guys was allowed to go to be employed in other charities, in other... Um, Action against hunger, he was a country head in, in Bangladesh. And, so on. and the argument initially yeah. that Oxfam raised was, oh, because there are like 10,000 charities and so on, so we, we, there's no possible way we could have prevented, we, we could have prevented this. Then, of course, there are further, there are systems as well, which, which were questionable. How did you change your systems to prevent this and, 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 and so, so on? So a lot of it has to do with their response. What do you think would have happened, actually, if they would have reacted quicker to the, to the situation? Because the, the mistake still would have been done. Mm -hmm. So what would have happened? It, it, say, okay, would, so at least there is some kind of accountability. At least people are getting punishment for right. the If they had said, still, if they had said exactly why these people were being were, were being let go, mm -hmm. to, to raise us to issues to these um, to these um, to these issues, the, the kinds of issues that people are involved in. I think we still would have seen like a newspaper saying, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, well, there's a, there's an extent to which yeah, but but if people can say, but if people can if people can say that you okay something happened, it's bad, but the way you went about it was noble or it was transparent. Then, yes. then that does something to and rescue your. And then you um, stop the next horrible case. You you may stop it, and that was one of the issues. That that was one of the issues that came after the whole firestorm with Oxfam because they were saying that look, you allowed other, you allowed these people to go to other sectors. Yeah, we, okay. The the main difference and, uh, is like the state somewhere. of mind in which it's putting people because yeah. like now people are thinking, okay, we can't trust this kind of organization because mm -hmm. of the lack of transparency, mm -hmm. and consequently it means that they might be, and it's likely that there are yeah. so many other cases that have been hidden from yes. from right. Yes. Whereas if it would have been, if it were transparent, 
right from the beginning mm -hmm. we would say okay so now it means it means that they are handling these kind of cases and it doesn't go without any kind of punishment right. so mm -hmm. there is no other cases. but we have to be we have to be also cognizant of the fact that sometimes when these things happen or even le things of lesser things of lesser um uh, nature or so on happen like all you want is just a spark for the doctors to run with it and to create a huge a huge a huge thing as well to to convince taxpayers to convince people that look it's not worth it to pump your money into these kinds of into these kinds of agencies so, so to some extent you you can argue that it really doesn't matter the event or the or the scandal or the the problem that has emerged because you just want to have something negative to use um to fill up your um yeah. your campaign if these scandals hurt so badly because ngos like oxfam are their their authority is a moral authority right yeah. they they claim to be speaking for the marginalized These people voiceless of the world, people. the voiceless people, yeah. and they claim to do good work on their and behalf. The, uh, uh, yeah. And this, this just cuts their, their, their knees off, right? This is just—it's yeah. it's impossible to, to speak for moral authority when you're, well, sexually assaulting people in, in Haiti. So every, every, when, authority, yeah. every authority is moral, but like subjectively moral. Like you say, okay, Oxfam are sort of no, but they they are sort of like yeah, charity, morality kind of, and so yeah, yeah we're going to help these kind of people. But similarly, populism are claiming to be moral, but like moral for the people. That's yeah. why they can't deal mm. with foreign aid because mm. it would be amoral in their own like perspective yeah, yeah, yeah. to to keep like providing for foreign aid because it would go against the interest of their own people they're pretending to serve. Mm. Kind of. These are very complicated issues. <laughs> uh, uh, one of the tragedies for Oxfam, I want to just mention, is that a lot of people leave the private sector, take pay cuts to work in the development sector. Mm -hmm. So it's very bad that if all of them are being painted now as as, uh, as either themselves or being part of the same team as rapists or people who miss Yes, that's power. the real tragedy. Here, that's, so also, that, that's, also, that's also that's also that's also a very major tragedy. <laughs> I, I, because this is something that paints all of these people in a very we, bad light. We shouldn't. We shouldn't. We shouldn't. We shouldn't gloss over the fact that even in even in uh, recipient countries that it's a given we shouldn't we shouldn't think it's a given that the recipients the people who are who are supposedly benefit from these things really do like some of these NGOs yeah of course not because we know that and somebody raised it earlier that a lot of these some of these NGOs critical ones are tied to their western governments their western donors and people see them as uh, sort of a conduit they need money from somewhere their, yeah they are they do but by nature a, of being developing countries they don't have enough money and what so they need these NGOs need money from the developed world yeah, you're, you're not getting my point, I think. Yes. You're saying not from the governments, from the people? There is, yeah, they are the, the, the people on the ground who, okay. who, are, who are, I'm not sure. So regardless, uh, there's a Chinese curse uh, called uh, May You Live in a Complicated Time. time. Uh -huh. And I think we live in one of the most complicated times there are. So we are under Should a Chinese it? curse. Yeah. So it's, because you haven't, uh, it's because you haven't read Steven Pinker. Who is Steven Pinker? He's the guy who says everything's fine. Oh, yeah. Should I, should, the, I the should I be embarrassed? Should I be embarrassed? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. The Angel Partiness. Yeah, okay. let's read. See I you. think that's it. Uh, we'll have to continue this. Um, thank you very much, guys. Uh, goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks. Solo voy con mi pena Sola va mi condena Correré mi destino Para burlar la ley Perdido en el corazón de la grande Babylon